the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's where it helps us. Because you and I know people who are still rejecting Jesus Christ for the same reasons that this crowd did, the same reasons that the leaders did, the same reasons that Pilate did, and the same reason that the soldiers rejected him. And it helps us to understand when you're persecuted that, hey, there's nothing wrong with what we believe. The problem is the people. When Robert Fulton told Napoleon about his invention, Napoleon said he was crazy to think he could sail into the wind by lighting a fire beneath his decks. He had no time for such nonsense. What was wrong with Fulton's message? Nothing. The steam engine revolutionized travel. The problem was entirely Napoleon's. When we share the gospel and people reject it, that doesn't mean there is anything wrong with the message. Why do people refuse to accept the only one who can save them? We will consider that today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is teaching from the 15th chapter of Mark. The Roman governor Pilate was a real politician in the worst sense of the word. He wanted power, and he wanted to protect and advance his own position. But he had gotten himself into a tight spot. We can see that in the way he handled Jesus and his accusers. A look at Pilate reveals some of the motivation people have for rejecting the lordship of Jesus. Here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, we are studying the gospel of Mark. We are dealing with a very, very interesting and fascinating portion of Scripture, and a sad portion of Scripture, but one that instructs us. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. And early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, he means the Sanhedrin council, immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him up to Pilate. And Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? And answering, he said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priest began to accuse him harshly, and Pilate was questioning him again, saying, Do you make no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further comments or answer, so that Pilate was astonished. Now, at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the people, or multitude, to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. And answering again, Pilate was saying to them, Then what shall I do with him who you call the king of the Jews? And they answered back and shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate was saying to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. This week has been a very interesting one for the Kreloff family. 
I have gotten a taste of functioning as a single parent this week as my wife has had to serve on jury duty. And while Michelle wasn't allowed to discuss the case with me while it was going on, it's over now, uh, she did talk about what was reiterated over and over again by the, the judge and the attorneys and, and such phrases as everyone on trial is innocent until proven guilty. That's our American way. And they kept reiterating that. This person is innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around. Uh, another phrase, everyone is entitled to a fair trial. No matter what you may personally feel, everyone is entitled to a fair trial. And everybody who is accused gets their day in court. Under our legal system, a lot of energy is placed upon selecting people for a jury who would be fair and, and honest and just. That's our American way. But you know, much of our legal system is not original. It was taken from ancient Rome's approach to justice. And in Christ's day, Rome was noted throughout the entire world for its sense of, of justice. In fact, on every Roman official's desk, there was a little figure of a two-faced Roman god, Janus. J-A-N-U-S. One face looked forward, and the other face looked back. In fact, the name of the first month of our year is January, based upon that little Roman god, Janus. Because January is the month that looks back to the old year and the month that looks forward to the new year. That's where we get the term January. Now, the figure of Janus was to remind every Roman official to look at both sides of every issue. See, Rome had a tremendous sense of justice, and that little figure reminded them that just as Janus looked forwards and backwards, so that Roman judge was to look at every issue from both sides. Now, in an ironic, very ironic way, we see evidence of, of Rome's sense of justice in the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ before Pontius Pilate. Pilate was the governor, the Roman governor of Judea at the time, and uh, while he didn't let justice prevail... He really didn't, or he would have never crucified the Lord. You do see in this passage of Scripture that I just read and others that we'll compare that Pilate had a sense of justice. He was concerned about justice. He didn't let justice prevail, but he was concerned about justice. In fact, it bothered him. Five, on five separate occasions in the Gospel narratives, Pilate declares that Jesus is an innocent man. And he is trying to do everything... Well, not everything, but a lot of things he is trying to do to avoid crucifying the Lord. He makes such statements as this. He says to the Jewish leaders, I find no guilt in him. I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. To the multitude who were crying for Christ to be crucified, Pilate asked, why? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt demanding death. And yet in spite of Pilate's belief in Christ's innocence and Rome's deep sense of justice, Pilate was the one who ordered Jesus to be crucified. And the question is why? Why? It really doesn't make sense on the surface. Why? Why would Pilate, who believed in justice, I mean, he was a rotten guy, but he believed in justice, why would Pilate, representing Rome, who was noted for justice, and Pilate, who said he's innocent, say this man should be crucified and order him to be crucified? Well, that's what we want to study this morning. We want to learn about that. We want to know why Pilate said that Jesus should be crucified, because we're looking at a passage of Scripture. And mark this, this is the, this is the context. We're looking at a passage of Scripture that depicts 
four groups of people or individuals who rejected Jesus Christ. This passage that I just read to you lays out four people. You have the religious leaders. That's the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the highest ruling body of, of Jewish leaders in Israel. They determined what was right and wrong. You have the religious leaders, you have Pontius Pilate, you have the crowd, the multitude, and you have the soldiers. We didn't read about the soldiers, but in verse 16, you have the soldiers who, uh, who scourged Christ and then uh, put him on the cross. And in this passage, it, it reveals that all these four groups rejected the Lord, but it reveals more than that. It reveals not only the fact of their rejection, but it also gives insight as to why they rejected him. In other words, their motives, their reasons, what purpose did they have, what was behind this. It isn't just that they said crucify him. We want to go behind the scenes and really explore their hearts and say, why did they want him crucified? Why did they reject him? And this will help us in a couple of ways. It helps us and I think it primarily was, was intended to help the church at Rome, the Christians at Rome who Mark wrote his gospel for. It's, it's to help them, it was to help them to help us to understand that our suffering for the sake of Christ, and they were being persecuted, our suffering and their suffering for the sake of Christ have absolutely nothing to do with any problem with Jesus Christ or any problem with the gospel. Any attacks that they might have taken because of Christ, they need to be assured that the problem does not lie with them. The problem does not lie with the gospel. The problem does not lie with Jesus Christ. There's nothing intellectually difficult in the, in the gospel. There's no problem in that. The problem is with the people who rejected it. And that's really what Mark wants them to understand. That they who are going through suffering need to understand that the same people who rejected Jesus Christ are also, or that, that type of, of people and that type of, of individual and group of people would also persecute you. And that's where it helps us. Because you and I know people who are still rejecting Jesus Christ for the same reasons that this crowd did, the same reasons that the leaders did, the same reasons that Pilate did, and the same reason that the soldiers rejected him. And it helps us to understand when you're persecuted that, hey, there's nothing wrong with what we believe. The problem is the people. You and I know people who reject Jesus for the same reasons. For instance, last week we saw the religious leaders. And why did they reject Jesus? For two reasons, basically two reasons. Number one, because they were envious. In fact, verse 10 of this passage says, uh, Pilate was aware that the chief priest had delivered him up because of envy. They were envious. They were threatened by his influence and hold on the people. And they were jealous because they wanted to hold the people. They wanted to control the people. And the people loved to, to listen and hear Christ. Secondly, because, and we looked at John chapter 15 and 16 last week, because Jesus exposed the religious leaders for what they really were. They were hypocrites pretending to love God. Oh, they were so pious, and oh, they loved God, and oh, they went through all the rituals, and they had all the pious language. But Jesus ripped the mask right off and said, I'm going to expose you for what you really are. You don't love God, you hate God. Because if you really love the Father, you would love me. Because not only did I come from the Father, but I'm God in flesh. And Jesus said in John 15, the reason they hate me is because they hate the Father. And the reason they hate the Father and they hate me and they'll help hate believers is because they don't want to know the truth. They are belligerently ignorant of the truth. And so Jesus just exposed them for their hypocrisy and they hated him for it. And they crucified Christ for it.
And that you and I know people just like this. Now, th- this morning, we want to see why Pontius Pilate rejected Jesus when he really believed in Christ's innocence. And you know people just like Pontius Pilate. In fact, you may be just like Pontius Pilate. So let's begin by looking at verse 1. And early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders, the scribes, the whole council, immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him up to Pilate. As soon as the Sanhedrin's early morning meeting was over, Jesus was tied up and he was brought to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Now, in order to really appreciate what we're going to study and the conflict that we're about to see take place between Pilate and the, and the Jewish leaders, you need to understand a little bit about this man, Pontius Pilate, a little bit about history. We'll do a little history lesson here and Pilate's relationship with the Jewish people. Pontius Pilate had been the Roman governor of Judea since A.D. 26, and he continued in that role until 36 A.D. But his 10-year reign as governor was not a smooth one. He despised the Jewish people. And you know what? They despised him as well. He had numerous run-ins and conflicts with the Jewish people. There were a series of events that that actually took place before the trial of Christ that really uh, uh, made Pilate on very shaky ground with the Jewish people. On one occasion, for instance, he insulted the Jewish people by having his soldiers carry flags into Jerusalem that had the image of Caesar on them. Now, to you and I, that would mean absolutely nothing, so big deal. It has the image of Caesar on it. But the Jewish people at that time considered this idolatrous, and they sent a delegation to Pilate requesting that he remove these flags. But instead, you know what Pilate did? Pilate said, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. You know what the Jewish people did, the delegation? He threatened. He said, I'm going to cut your heads off. And they just bowed before him and gave him their necks. And when they did that, he backed down. They were willing to die for their convictions, and Pilate backed down. You know why? Because he was a defeated man. They said, we'll even die for this. He was defeated. Defeated by the Jewish leadership. So he hated them. On a second conflict, uh, what happened was that Pilate actually, nasty guy, he, in, he, he raided, forcibly raided the temple treasury in order to build an aqueduct. Now, you, you don't do that and gain the people's favor. But he did that, and when the Jewish people rioted over that, he sent plainclothes soldiers into the crowd and had them kill and massacre many protesters. On a third occasion, he again offended the Jewish people by engraving the image of Tiberius Caesar on his soldiers' shields. You, you would have thought that he, that he would have learned the first time, but he probably was saying to them, oh, I'm going to show you who's boss. Now, the Jewish people did something this third time they didn't do the first time. They sent a delegation to Tiberius Caesar. They went right to the boss. And they complained, and the boss agreed with them. And the emperor sent back word, take the engravings down. So on three separate occasions, the Jewish population had rioted or had been on the verge of rioting in direct response to conflicts with Pilate. So as the Jewish leaders now bring Jesus to Pilate, he's in a very difficult situation. He cannot afford to have one more complaint get back to Caesar. He can't afford to have one more riot. He hates the Jewish people. They hate him, but he also fears them. 
because another riot by them might just cost him his job and probably his life. You see, Tiberius Caesar didn't send Pilate to Judea to start riots. He sent him there to prevent riots. If you have a guy in charge who starts it, then get rid of the guy. Now that's the background of Mark 15 and the previous dealings between Israel's leadership and Pontius Pilate. And it's important to keep this in mind as the Jewish leaders now bring Jesus to Pilate. At all costs, Pilate cannot offend them, though he hates them. Can't start a riot. And yet he doesn't want this Jew, this, uh, the Jewish leaders to get their own way. You see, that's the real tension here. He doesn't want them to get their own way. He knows what they're about. He knows that they're doing this out of envy. He knows Jesus didn't do what they said he did, but he can't afford to offend them. So he's a man desperate to keep his job, keep his life, and he can't afford to have one more complaint get to his boss. So now, knowing that, let's look at verse 2. And Pilate questioned him, that is, questioned Christ. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Now, why did Pilate ask Jesus if he was king of the Jews? After all, if you think back, you'll wonder about that because the Sanhedrin did not charge Jesus with saying he was king of the Jews. Remember what they charged him with? They said he's bla it's blasphemous that he claims to be Messiah and he claims to be deity. Now they say he is king of the Jews. Why? Let's look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And what you must do to understand this is put all the gospel accounts together. Mark doesn't tell us everything, nor does, does any other gospel account tell us everything, but when you put it together, you get the whole inspired picture of what God wants us to see. Luke chapter 23, verse, verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. The Sanhedrin lied to Pilate. It's as plain as that. They were wicked. They were unjust, illegal in their trial. And, and now they're lying. They're lying. The Sanhedrin lied. And they charged Jesus with, with political treason. They said, for one thing, he's misleading our nation. And that's bad because our nation belongs to you. And he's misleading these people that belong to you. Secondly, he said he's forbidding to pay taxes uh, to Rome. Okay? Which was not true. Remember, Jesus did say pay your taxes. He also said, remember, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Caesar's. I mean, he, he was very loyal. And then they said, and this is the one that uh, was really significant, they said he claims to be a king. And we know that there's only one king, Caesar. Now, the official charge that they laid upon Jesus was blasphemy, but now they have changed that. Were any of these charges true? No, of course not. But the Sanhedrin is saying this to get the ear of Pilate. You know why? Because he doesn't want to deal with a religious squabble. He doesn't care that Jesus claims to be the Messiah. He doesn't even care that Jesus claims to be God or, the, or, or, or their ruler. And so the Sanhedrin know, they know that if they bring, to Je they bring to Pilate this charge that, oh, he, it's blasphemy, he'll say, who cares? Deal with it yourself. And that's exactly what he said. Let's turn to John 18. You need to put a bookmark at John 18 and 19 because we're going to go back and forth. See, they need to get the ear of Pontius Pilate. Let me, let me show you. John 18, beginning at verse 29. 
Pilate therefore went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? This is how it began. What accusation do you bring? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. You know, what they're saying is, Don't ask us the issue. We're telling you he's bad. So we want you to rubber stamp our verdict that he must die. And Pilate says, I want to know what, it, what it's about. Pilate therefore said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. At the word, now watch this, verse 32 says, and this is fascinating, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Pilate therefore entered into the praetorium, which is the judgment hall, and he summoned Jesus and said to them, are you, or you are the king of the Jews? You are the king of the Jews? Now let me explain this. You see, Pilate didn't want to get involved in purely religious Jewish squabbles, conflicts, so he told him to take care of the matter. You take care of it yourself. And they say, but we can't. We're not allowed under Roman law to kill anybody. Now, there was truth in that, but there was also a falsehood in that. Do you remember just a, a, a little bit later, the Jewish leaders actually stoned Stephen to death. They could kill when they wanted to. Believe me, they also, they also threatened to kill others. No, they could, they could kill so why then didn't they kill Jesus? Let me explain. They wanted Rome to order his execution because they didn't want to be blamed by the people. They feared the multitude. They wanted to say, look, it's not our fault. We couldn't, we didn't crucify him. Rome crucified him. It's not our fault. Don't blame us. What power did we have to stop them? It was Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, who ordered Jesus to be crucified. And let me just show you this. Now stay in John 18. Actually, stay in John 18, stay in Mark 15, and then turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We want to put these things together, and I want you to get a feel for what's going on behind the scenes. They feared the people. It wasn't just that they wanted Jesus, that they couldn't uh, kill him. They could have. They could very easily have just stoned Jesus, but there are two uh, reasons they didn't. From their perspective, because they wanted Rome to be blamed, and watch this, but there's another divine perspective as well. Acts chapter 5, verse 25. Now this is about two months later. Christ has already risen from the dead. He's gone back to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit has come. Uh, the Spirit of God is now empowering the disciples, and they are out preaching in Jerusalem that Jesus is Savior and He is Lord. And the Sanhedrin don't like this. They're still in power, the Sanhedrin. But watch this, verse 25. Acts chapter 5. But someone came and reported to them, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went out along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence. Why? For they were afraid of the people, lest they should be stoned. Watch this. And when they, uh, when they brought them, they stood them before the council. This is the same council. This is the Sanhedrin. And the high priest, same high priest, just two months later, maybe not even two months later, the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in his name, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and watch this, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Do you see they're afraid? Listen, if you go on teaching like this, people will think that we're responsible. They were responsible. They were responsible. So was Rome. So were we. 
But they were responsible. But still, two months later, they are still fearing uh, that the people will think that they had something to do with this. We will get back to this lesson from Pontius Pilate's dealings with Jesus and the Jewish leaders on the next Verse by Verse. It was good to have you with us today. Verse by Verse is a Bible class of the air led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It is produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are grateful for the listeners who pray and give so that we can stay on the air. If you are interested in learning more about Verse by Verse and how you can support this ministry, stop in at our website, versebyverseradio.org. To order a CD or cassette with the message you heard a part of today, give us a call at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and number and we'll get back to you so you can order your copy. The number again is 727-239-0306. Pilate was convinced that Jesus had done nothing worthy of death. Yet he still sent Jesus to the cross. Why? Because he had ambitions, and releasing Jesus would not advance them. Knowing that Jesus was not guilty was not enough to motivate Pilate to do the right thing. The same is true with everyone who rejects Christ. We'll consider that in more on the next Verse by Verse. I'm Jerry Pruden, and I hope you can be with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.